0: I just couldn't see getting past everything in my life. I didn't want to repeat that pattern yeah. because here I was. Now I'm a drug addict. I hated that about my parents. Mm-hmm. I hated them for that. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that what you it, what you don't heal from, you repeat. Yeah. And here I was repeating everything down to about to, you know, have a kid.
1: Okay, so go back with me to... Your your childhood. Let's go back to the beginning. So I
0: was born in 1978 in uh, Sacramento, California. And um, my birth parents were in the Manson family. Um, James Craig and Priscilla Cooper are my birth parents. And when my mom was pregnant with me, she... M- my dad was... In the ICU unit, uh, needing to be taken off life support because he had been put in the trunk of a car, shot in the face, and hogtied to his best friend, and the car was set on fire and left in a busy intersection in Sacramento. Jeez. And my mom was eight months pregnant with me, and... um,
1: Was that in... um Was that because of the cult? It's hard to say. Okay.
0: Because some reports say yes, that they knew something and that this was... um,
1: Retaliation. Yeah,
0: like a message. Mm. Because that's a pretty loud and clear message. Like, hey, you're, you know, set on fire in a trunk with your best friend. Yeah. And, um, And other reports say that it was because of a drug robbery gone wrong. Okay. And that this was retaliation for Aryan Brotherhood mm. drug stuff.
1: And that could have been as well. Were they also part of the Aryan Brotherhood? Okay.
0: Yes. And so my mom and dad, um, they had about 10 years age difference, but they had been together for 10 years. Mm. So I have a brother who is eight years older than me. Okay. And so when this is happening with my dad and this you know this is how i picture it in my mind that my mom is 8 months pregnant she's shooting up heroin they're both doing drugs they're both arm robbing they're both gang activity they're both cult members murders and my mom is pregnant and now her partner is in the icu unit and imagine the chaos yeah So when I think of myself in utero, I'm, like, surviving from the beginning.
1: Yeah, from the very, very start.
0: Forget withdrawal. Forget that I'm an infant being fed heroin. There is a ton of chaos and destruction going on outside my mom's body from the very beginning of my life. And I don't imagine that they were able to be good parents to my brother. Um, And just entering the world into chaos. And from my understanding that as I'm sure toxic and volatile as their relationship was, that they were very close, that they loved each other in whatever fashion that that means, but that they were very close. So in essence, my mom is having to take her best friend off life support. And if she, I'm sure, knows or has an idea of who has done this, Is she afraid? Is she afraid for her children? Um, What does that even look like? And per another news source, I was told that my dad was murmuring she's dangerous as he is dying. So who she is, I have no idea. Yeah. Is it my mom? Right. Who, you know, I don't know. There's nobody alive to ask. Sure. Sure. And so um, she takes a off life support and then I assume that she gives birth to me within the next 30 days, yeah. according to the timeline in um, Helter Skelter. And so I was told that when she gave birth to me that I'm suffering withdrawals and that she is about to go to prison. I'm a little unclear about when that timeline is from my birth to when she is expected to go to prison. Yeah.
1: And she is going to, she's going to go to prison for what she has done to you. No. Okay. No. Something unrelated. Something
0: unrelated. Okay. And there's been so many charges that I'm really unclear of what she is going to go for at the time. This. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When's I mean, your brother? My brother, from my understanding at this time, is with her dad. Okay. And um, he's in San Jose, California. So um, my mom is trying to line up somewhere for me to go before she goes to prison. And this is like just stuff that I heard as a small kid. Sure. So I end up staying with a couple Um, That I called grandparents. They were much older. They were old. And I found out later, like, kind of how she knew them. And she was working at, like, a brothel with some guy. And he knew this couple. And she dumped a baby on them. I... And I say dumped because when I think of their age relation to having a newborn that's withdrawing that is, you know, um, I don't know. Just when I picture a little baby going through this, you know. uh,
1: But I'm glad that they. I'm glad that they. It was safe.
0: It was. It was safe. It was safe. And I lived with them till I was seven years old. Um, And they were very loving to me. But I didn't have any structure, and I didn't have to go to school necessarily if I didn't want to. Um, And my mom was in and out. Mm -hmm. So my mom would go to prison, and she would come out. And um, when she would come, she would bring guys with her a lot of the time, or she wouldn't come when she said she was going to come. And she would come sometimes and stay with us. And be detoxing. Um, she would come and take me sometimes, and shoot up and fall asleep in the car, and I would just be sitting there for hours, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. She would take me to drug houses, but when I'm, you know, I don't know that these are drug houses until yeah. my future. This
1: is just your life. This is just this, what it is. Kids don't you know? Have comparison? Yet. Not at
0: all, and. Um, I will say the grandparents coming to where I am now, they are why I have been able to remain loving because when I meet girls that have gone through similar situations or I would find myself in drug circles, um, and asking them how you got here they didn't have anybody to be loving to them Mm-mm. as children. And so even though I, my mom and dad were who they were and my mom would come in and out or whatever. I still had these, uh, grandparents who were very nice to me good, and loved me. Thank God. Thank God for that. And, um, uh, so one time I was with my mom and we were at, So being in a trap house, now I know what that is. Right. Right. And so we're at trap houses often. And there was this one particular one. And there would be needles and spoons, no food. Um, That was common. Don't be in the bathroom too long because somebody's always got to come into the bathroom. And one time uh, our house, uh, a fight broke out, a really bad one. And I hid in the closet until it was over. And when it was over and it started to quiet down, I remember, like, um, men fighting so hard that it sounded like fruit when they were hitting this guy's head. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in the closet till it was over. And I hadn't come out yet because it was, like, quiet but not. Yeah. And then the police came in and they come in with guns and they're like yelling and all this chaos and craziness comes out of that. And they open the door real fast and they have their guns drawn and I'm in there. How old are you? Mm, maybe I must be close to seven.
1: Okay. Because mm-hmm. she, she took you and you stayed with her from I then would stay,
0: on? I would stay the night with her sometimes, okay. but it was only here and there. Gotcha. Um, because she would leave me most of the time with the grandparents. Right. And so they were poor and the the grandparents so the grandmother was like legally legally blind and the and didn't talk a lot. Yeah. And the grandfather was a war veteran and he was paralyzed. Mm. So he walked with a walker yeah. and drank. Would let me drink beer with him. Yeah. They smoked cigarettes. Let me yeah. smoke. Not, like, hanging out with them smoking.
1: So when the cops open the closet door and you're inside, do they take you at that point?
0: They... Somehow, I get back with the grandparents. Okay. But I remember that being, like, a traumatizing situation. And CPS comes in shortly after that. Okay. And they deem the grandparents unfit. Oh, no. They're too old. And um, I... And having to move with somebody they know now. Uh. And so I don't, so let me back up a, just one incident before that. Sure. It, my mom, I had been waiting all day for her to come. And she's late, late, late. And I like run up the street to the bar where I know that she hangs out and she's not there, and I'm coming and going from the apartment to there. And she comes with a guy and she roughs them up and takes their money. And the grandparents. The grandparents. And I remember um, she told me to go outside and she leaves with the guy and I can tell like everything in the apartment is kind of like in disarray and I am upset because she left without me. I'm upset because I've been waiting for her all day and I'm upset because I see my grandparents are upset and they kind of, they're like, she took our money or whatever. And so I called 911 and the police come and I show them the only pictures that I have of my mom, and they're like naked pictures. And I remember this memory vividly because I don't ever see my mom again, ever. Mm -hmm. This was the last time, the last memory that I have. And I really can't say that I have any good memories with her. Yeah, You know, I don't think that you could be a good parent. That hurts my heart. You know, but the grandparents made up for That, but it affected me in my future life for the fact that everybody wants a mom and dad. Yeah. That's just in us. Sure. And um, as nice as the grandparents were, I still want it. I, when I would go to school, I would hear kids say, my mom and dad, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know, and I compensated by calling them grandparents, but they weren't you know and so when cps steps in they put me with this other couple and of the grandparents the woman when she was younger adopted a boy named hale she gets in touch with him and they come and see me hale comes and sees me at his adopted mom's house which is my grandmother He comes and he goes, he comes up to Sacramento and he goes back to Ontario and he talks to his wife. He says, there's this little girl that needs our help. And he tells her who my mother is. And the wife is like, no way. I don't want to get involved with the Manson family. I don't want to get involved with this woman. Mm. If she's not out of the picture, I don't want to get involved. And he's like, but there's this little girl and she's going to go into foster care if we don't step in. So him and the wife... Come back, and they see me, and CPS is trying to give them enough time to get me
1: Decide. somewhere, right?
0: Uh, before I have to go into foster care yeah. and become another statistic, basically. Yeah. And um, so she comes and sees me, and of course she's like, "Oh my gosh, there! This little it is a little girl. She is not, you know, she's going to be in trouble if we don't step in somehow." And so. She steps in and they send me to California they send me to Southern California and um, they're going to be moving my grandparents to the same town. And I went through some shock because the only parents that I have known up until this point are not with me. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know these people and I haven't had any structure.
1: Yeah. So. And it's very structured with them. Very okay
0: and by very i don't mean like controlling nazis yeah. i mean we have a bedtime we'd like you to take a bath we want you to brush your teeth and we expect you to go to school and i'm yeah. like no no i don't do i don't have to do what you say you're not my parents i'm 7 i'm traumatized and i haven't had any structure up until this point so, immediately, I can't receive from them at all. And um, that goes on for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't, I didn't ever really let them get too close, yeah. unfortunately. But. Um,
1: but you stayed there.
0: I I stayed with them, yes. But. I made it very difficult for everyone.
1: Which I, is not your fault. Not That's, that that was a product of your trauma and Were you in counseling?
0: Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Um but I did not realize that I was manipulating the whole thing, all the counseling and stuff like that, because they went through so many different trying avenues trying to um get me to be okay.
1: Yeah, help me conform to this new sure. Yeah. And they don't know either. They're no. not trained in this. You're not you're a child which is yes. Yeah.
0: And I am a child that and I in between the time uh, before going with them, being with the grandparents, we moved a couple times, and um, I was molested by a neighbor, and I never said anything, and I never said anything because, as gross as it made me feel, the grandparents never sat me down and were like, "Hey, nobody touches your body." Yeah, you know they're old. Yeah. They don't. A lot know. of kids
1: don't have the words for sexual assault and abuse. Like, no. you have to talk to the to right. your kids about right. this you have to give these things anatomical names yes. and help them understand what's appropriate what's not appropriate right young
0: very way before you think you're like i don't have to tell a five-year-old about that if they're yeah. leaving your presence yeah you have to yeah
1: i have sexual assault in my childhood and so my daughter Knows what her vagina is. Right. She knows what her nipples are. She knows what's appropriate. She knows what's not appropriate. Right. I, like, no I'm one not messing around. It.
0: Nobody touches no, your body. Nope. You know, nobody asks you. If anybody asks you, that's yeah, a problem. They don't you look, come look back at your touch. body. Right. Yeah, those
1: things are for you. And absolutely right. not.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think that you know the grandparents were just so old by the time, um, they just come from a different generation. Yeah, they didn't talk about
1: that stuff. Not at mm-hmm. all. Nope, nope.
0: Yeah. And so, by the time I get with them, I am a little kid, but I have all of these adult problems already. So, my grandparents are moved down there, but they die shortly after. So, um... I'm sorry. Thank you. By the time I was 10, they were both gone. So... I am. I've been living with them for about three years, and seeing my grandparents on the weekend. And I am fighting my adopted family. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do any activities. Don't want to do anything that they want to offer me. I just want to go to my grandparents. Yeah. And um, they pass away, and I along. With the rebellion against any love or any nurturing or anything they are trying to offer me, um, I'm looking for it over here. Yeah. So it's being offered this way, and I am looking anywhere else. Yeah. So I start looking for it in friends, alcohol. Drugs, sex, and um, I put myself in a situation where I'm drinking and... Um, How old are you? 11, um, 12, 7th grade. And um, right from the start, I don't drink regular. Um, yeah. I drank till I'm blacked out, don't know what I'm doing and can't be accountable for anything that You've I've done. You've lost
1: everyone that you love mm-hmm. before the age of 10. That's, yeah. there's so much anger and hurt and how you cope?
0: Anger was my first drug oh, anger, way before absolutely. I ever put a substance in my body. A
1: thousand percent.
0: hmm And putting substance in my body gave me relief from the anger. But there's no stop to that. So, and and you're so young, right? When they talk about you, well, your brain isn't developed. You don't know how to make choices for yourself. You can't see around the corner. I'm like, I'm dumping chemicals onto that. I mean, I, I tried meth for the first time when I was 12, and um, I know the anger was the starting one, but everything that I put on after that, I don't know what caused what. Whether it was sex, whether it was toxic relationships, whether it was meth, whether it was alcohol, whether it, you know,
1: self-esteem issues, identity issues, identity
0: issues from the get go, no
1: foundation, no, it was. Yeah.
0: And it was. And what's really sad about that is that it wasn't that it wasn't offered.
1: Yeah, Well, you know, but we always talk about you have to be in the place to receive it
0: for sure.
1: And, and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's so hard. That's and, so complicated. And
0: it's so complicated. And, you know, like the hard heart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, going down the road some and becoming a Christian and hearing about our heart becoming hard. Um, and that's a way to cope and survive. And mm-hmm. so when you've been in survival mode for so long, I didn't come out of that until— 41 years old. Yeah. You know? Um, so, at, I was like 12 or 13, and, um, I become pregnant, and, by, a much older person, that is using meth, and introduced me to meth as well, and, um, luckily my parent, my, my mom, especially, really, my adopted mom, Really watched was really even all the rejection that she experienced for me was still um watching everything and noticed that I hadn't started my period. Yeah. And um took me to go get a pregnancy test. I become pregnant. They are like, what are we going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm uh I want to have a baby. Yeah. Yes. So um, I'm very angry with them and they make me have an abortion and we move far, far away. And um, that probably started a runner mindset for me that this is how you solve your problems. Yeah. And um, but when I got there, I sought out more people. Just like the ones we had just left, you know? And um
1: why do you think that was?
0: Because How I, did you
1: know? How did you know? Did they look how you felt? Did they I did not offer know
0: you? that I was picking out the same people everywhere I went until way later. Yeah. Because then you can look back on your past and see your own patterns. Yeah. Right? Just um,
1: comfortability
0: magnets I the same hole that's in me doesn't matter that we moved across the country I still have that same hole and I'm still reaching out for the same people that give me that same kind of attention yeah you know the same people that have the same problems the same kids that aren't wanting to do school you know um so I found the same friends and um we move again two years we weren't there very long um, so we moved to Las Vegas and I'm still seeking out the same type friendships and relationships. Um, and again, my runner is being birthed, you know, cause now I've went to three different high schools and three different States. My family is just trying to find a place that I will be okay you know, and, um, just trying, just yeah. trying to make sure that I'm okay. You know, that's good. And
1: it's good that you have that for your heart now. Yes. And it's okay that it took to now you have it. Yeah. It's a gift.
0: It, it really is. Because when I look back on it, like it all ties together. Mm-hmm. It is, I, I really believe it's how I was able to come out on the other side.
1: Yeah, with mm-hmm. this testimony, mm-hmm,
0: for sure. Yeah. So we we get to Las Vegas, and I'm 16, and I'm trying to do school, and it. Just, I just don't have any interest in it, and um, I've been running away. And by this time, I meet some friends in Vegas, and they're doing mess full time, and. So then I pick up with them, and I quit school. I get into a fight and get suspended, and I just decide that I'm, I'm done trying with that. And I go get my GED, and, um, and I leave home. And there starts the time where my, my parents may not hear from me for like a year yeah. at a time. Yeah. And,
1: and, and so much trauma. I can only imagine the stuff that you're experiencing out in the streets, out in the world, as a 16-year-old girl on drugs.
0: In Las Vegas. Yeah. hmm And, you know, as adult as I think I am, mm-hmm. I don't know that these experiences aren't normal for everyone else. Um, because the girls that I'm partying with are having these experiences, too you know, and you don't really realize their traumas until they're coming up in your life in different ways, destructive Mm -hmm. ways. And um, so there's a big adult scene Mm -hmm. in Las Vegas, and they go hand-in-hand with drugs, and uh, that just takes off for the next couple years. And uh, um, I start dating a guy, and... We're doing lots of drugs together, and I end up pregnant again. And I'm looking at my life, and I'm just like, I don't want to be my mom. I don't want to bring a kid into this situation, and I don't think that I can stop drugs. So I have another abortion, and um, this is my first attempt at trying to get sober now, and I'm 20 years old. And I'm in Las Vegas and everybody's like waiting to turn 21 and I'm like, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> and um and having two abortions, um, I realized that if I didn't start at least, managing and being in control of my body if I was going to be having sex if I wasn't going to I needed to at least get on birth control and have some kind of control because it wasn't my heart even being a full-blown drug addict to just use abortion as birth control right that's completely inappropriate yeah and not what I not my goal yeah and when I would think about it in the playback of my memory I would you know, one was when I was a complete child and didn't know better. And this one was my one, you know, my no better. Like, hey, you're an adult now. Your decisions are yours. Like, grow up. Stop. Yeah. And so I haven't done that. Again, I am pretty much stayed on birth control. Uh, children were not in my plans. Yeah. And I did not have any. Um, because I just couldn't see getting past everything in my life, I didn't want to repeat that pattern yeah. because here I was. Now I'm a drug addict. I hated that about my parents. Mm-hmm. I hated them for that. And you know, I, I firmly believe that what you it, what you don't heal from, you repeat. Yeah. And here I was repeating everything down to about to you know have a kid, and mm-hmm. my my only control over that up you know was to terminate that pregnancy and try to get sober, and um. I did okay. I was sober completely for about a year. And I was bored, you know, and I'm like 21 and I'm sober and I got a really good job. And, um, but I was bored, you know, young and, um, really just didn't know what to do with my time.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you didn't have that mirrored to you. Like, what do sober, fulfilled people fill their time with? I right. completely get it.
0: Right, just, okay. and um, so I started smoking weed. We'd we'll go to the bar, and you know, hang out with people that drank and had jobs. What was socially acceptable, you know? Right, and I didn't do meth for four years. Um. About two and a half years into that, I was introduced to oxycotton, and I'm working at a pharmacy. Mm. So uh, the, I did really well at that job, and um, not to incriminate myself or put myself in a situation, <laughs> uh, I ended up becoming completely strung out on OxyContin, abandoning my job, and um, relapsing on meth after four years of being off and got the right idea to write prescriptions because I was desperate to get Oxycontin. Mm. And I did that, and I got caught about a year later, and I went to jail on Christmas Eve. Mm. I think that's like 2002. And... Um, That sucked.
1: Yeah, I bet.
0: <laughs> and, um, and.
1: Just disappointed in yourself. Just like, I what imagine. has my life come yeah. to? You so know, you're like, still in Vegas. I am. You're back. You feel like you're back in it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so I caught some pretty serious charges for that, and they wanted to send me to prison. Uh, they gave me the opportunity to um, do drug court, so I did drug court. Okay. and I successfully completed it. and I did everything that they asked me to do, but I didn't heal, and I was white, not clean, I guess. And um, as soon as I got done with drug court, I started smoking weed and drinking and doing pills, and. It wasn't very long before I was doing this again. And um, 2006, I met my future husband. And um, I moved. So this continues to, to move and try to start fresh. And, okay, I'm going to do things differently this time. And um, he drinks. But he drinks and, like, keeps his job. We're both, like, in recovery, but we're not, like, sober. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're like your normal American that can drink and keep their job. And um, so I'm trying this version of sober.
1: Yeah. You have something to do now.
0: Yes. Partner. And, And I'm going to maintain this level of sobriety, you know, I smoked weed, he drank, I had a job, he was running a business and he, um, has a daughter and her mother has passed away. So I am, that was probably like the only reason why I entered that relationship where there was a child because there wasn't a mother there where I was going to have to have any kind of issues with. Sure, And, um... Everything is going well and he gets a job offer and we move to Indiana and we move there and everything is going well and him and I have not done drugs together. We've only drank and I was smoking weed and um, we go on a cruise And somebody has some Coke. We did some Coke. And I think that's going to be it. We did it on the boat. That's going to be the end of that. And we'll just leave it there. And we get home and he's like, well, I would like to go to Vegas and do some math. And I'm like, I don't want to do that.
1: Does he know about your past?
0: We know both. We both know about each other's past. Okay. But we haven't done it together.
1: Mm.
0: And I did not want to do that. And, you know... Hindsight being twenty twenty, had I known on that cruise that that was going to do that, I would have not done that. Yeah. But you don't know. And um, the following year, we go to Vegas. My parents live in Las Vegas, so we're going to have, like, an adult weekend. His daughter stays with my parents, and we get some meth, and he goes into a complete psychosis, is losing his mind and um, saying all this crazy stuff like my parents have kidnapped his daughter and he's gonna call the FBI like just complete psychosis and I call my my parents to come and get me and I leave him at the hotel room and two days later he died and um, I believe that had I not left, he would have killed me and killed himself. I don't really know the circumstances of what happened in that next couple days. Um, we were fighting on text. And by fighting, I mean, I'm trying to combat his psychosis. Yeah. And like, that's not real. I just want to go home. Let's go back to our life. Like we
1: should have never. done We should this. have never done this.
0: I would have never You're said. You're
1: freaking out. You're freaking
0: out. That's not real. Please stop. Mm. I just want to go home, and that didn't happen. And I have his ten year old daughter. I'm trying to act like everything's okay because I'm like he'll just go to sleep. He'll wake up. This will be okay. And how do you
1: find out that he passed? I mean, his we're... text
0: quit coming. Okay. And. I told my mom, I said, I think he's dead somewhere. And she goes, don't say that. Why would you say that? My mom doesn't know that I have been up for days now. And I am watching him un- come undone. And um, So
1: y'all are just texting for days. You, He's at the hotel. You're at your parents. Yes. You're like, come home. We'll
0: go to sleep. And when you wake up, that won't be real. And we can go home. Like, we can go back to our life. Like, we, we should have never done this, but just go to sleep. I'll be at my mom and dad's. We're over here, and we'll be here when you wake up. Like, stop tripping. And when the text first stopped, I thought, oh, finally, he's gone to sleep. Yes, yes okay, this nightmare can end. Maybe I can go to sleep. And I went to sleep. And, he, and when I woke up, there was nothing. And so I start texting him. He doesn't text me back. I'm like, this is really weird. And the next day, and I feel it in my spirit. Yep. He has passed away. This is crazy. And who uh, found him? Uh, the The metro, Las Vegas metro, called me, and they said, "You know, where are you at? Are you sitting down? You know?" And I'm like, "He's." The, they go, "How do you know that?" I go, "Because he stopped texting me." And um, they told me that they had found him at the Flamingo Hotel you know and i am like what am i going to do i have to tell his daughter who's already lost her mother yeah. um you know i don't want to say what i have to go out there and say this is horrible i don't want this i don't want to be a parent i don't want to be a widow i just want to go back a couple of days and Not undo what i've done and you don't get that. Yeah. That's not real. And um I feel terrible because I've gotten high with this little girl's dad and now he's dead. And um at that point I had been off meth for 5 years. He had 7 years. So this one time,
1: yeah,
0: doing this and you know that's not normal that doesn't normally happen right you know and you
1: didn't feel you weren't experiencing having the same experience as not him not at all so
0: and it's not like today where there's fentanyl and everything right this is 2013 yeah so as weird as it's to say meth was meth then right. versus
1: yeah
0: versus what it is today so and it wasn't like there were like we did a whole bunch and you could have had a hard, I mean, yes, it is a gamble every time you do something right. like that, but just wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And, um, and now I had a little girl to tell that her dad has passed away and yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Another loss. Another loss. And I'm used to it right by now. This is just what happens. And um, I completely unravel after this. And I tried to hang on to his daughter. But
1: did you all go back home?
0: We went back to Indiana. Uh, my parents tried to get me to stay, but I've been running from them my whole life. Yeah. So that just couldn't happen. So I, I went back to Indiana.
1: Did she have anyone to call your your stepdaughter at the time? Like there was so it was his mother, which okay.
0: I had to call her and mm. and tell her. And she just screamed on the other end of the phone. Mm. And um, that relationship was strained after that. You know, I did drugs with her son and he died. Yeah. You know, and and everyone's looking for someone to blame. Uh, it was on the front page of the Muncie newspaper by the time we got back because he was the director of a company. And, um, you know, director of so-and-so dies of a drug overdose in Las Vegas. I don't even get a chance to say anything on, on my behalf of what's happened, you know. Um, and so we, we go back and we're in our home. I don't even know how to pick up his car from the airport. I mean, it's been sitting there. I stayed at my... We stayed at my mom and dad's for a month. So his car is sitting at the airport for a month. It's mm-hmm. racking up a bill.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, trying to transport a body. Getting the documents to, Indiana, to say yeah. who I am. Um, you know, just all these things that have to be taken care of when someone dies, not in their home state. Um Just things that, you know, you don't expect to have to do. I was 34 years old.
1: Yeah. Overwhelming.
0: Overwhelming. And um, all I want to do is get high. I want to check out. And um, so we go back to Indiana, and now we're at our family home, and I just can't breathe. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be here. And so... Very Right away, I start using pain pills and Xanax and alcohol, pretty heavy. And um, it wasn't much longer before I, I asked someone to get me some heroin. And I don't want to feel, yeah, you know. And um, I hold off on the meth for about a year. But I am doing heroin, and I'm trying to hold off. Because at this point I've not shot up, but it's coming, and um, I have the perfect excuse. The ultimate victim card has happened in my life, and um, I'm I'm creating a life that nobody's going to ask me, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know, and um, I start doing that, and you know. As I'm telling this story, my heart aches for this little kid that saw me as a good mom. Her dad's not here. And luckily, luckily not, right? Because it wasn't like she's just gotten to know me. She had known me for five years. Yeah, She's 10 now. But she's known me good for five years. Mm -hmm. And now I am turning into somebody she does not know. And nobody is there for her. Yeah. I have strange people coming in and out. My life is completely different from everything that she has known up until this point. Yeah. And um I just don't have it in me to care. I'm I'm out of there. And um a shooting happens in my house. I'm like this with some drugs and a guy and he pulls out a gun and I go, "What are you What do you have that here for, you know? And he goes, what? Look. Points it at me and says, look, it's empty. And pulls the trigger. I don't even have any reaction time. I go, and I heard it go, and nothing happened. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, what? Are you tripping? It's empty. And shoots himself right in front of me. I am... Everything goes into slow motion. I'm like, and there are drugs all over my table. And I'm like trying to figure out how to call 911. Everything goes in slow motion. And he runs out my front door and he just shot himself in the face. And he could have just shot me, right? And I am trying to like wrap it all together. Like do I grab these drugs and hide them first? How do I call 911? 911. He's out my front door. Oh, my God, my neighbors. And instantly I know my whole life has changed. I didn't just die right there, but my whole life is different right now. And there's blood all over the wall. And he is out in my front yard screaming. I I can hear him screaming. So I, like, try to hide drugs, but there's, like, paraphernalia all over my house just because I'm in my full-blown-ness. And um, I call 911. I say, my friend just shot himself in my living room, and they come. Drug task force comes. ATF comes. Fire department comes. They tape off my house, and he gets lifeline to Indy. He survives, but they take me down to the station, and, you know, um, they ask me some questions or whatever, and I think for sure... I'm never going to see her again. What have I done? What have I done? What has my life come to? I've been a terrible steward of being a parent. This is why I've had abortions. I'm a piece of crap. I'm just like my parents. Oh, my God, just kill me. I want to die. And I'm going to go to prison for a long time for this. Like, she is never going to understand how my grief has Taken over our lives, and how I wasn't, I didn't care about her. Yeah. That, that and this you is. You did care I, about her. Uh, absolutely. I still. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but you remember how you felt in that same, you remember being the little girl.
0: Mm hmm. Right. And what that did to my life, what that projected, yeah. how that made me feel about adults. Right. They weren't to be trusted. Yeah. And, um,
1: Generational curses.
0: Here they were. Here they are. Just alive and eating everything I cared about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I explain addiction like it looks like I'm here making my own choices, right? But the reality is, is there's a gun. My disease, my addiction, generational curses, whatever you want to call it, has a gun to the back of my head. And it's making me, hey, get up now. Leave. Leave all this, get up now, feed me. I'm hungry. I need to be fed. And it's just con- all consuming. Yeah. You know? And um. so I have her staying at a friend's house. So she wasn't there when this happened, thank goodness. Yeah. And um, one of her
1: friends or one of your friends?
0: Her friends that I became friends with the parents. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And um, they can see how my life has deteriorated. So they're keeping her more and more. And she wasn't there for this. And the police take me down for questioning. And after many hours, they release me. And I am just... Like, what is going on? Why did they release me? Like, this is so weird. I'm super paranoid now. Mm. And, you know, it's not like TV where they come and clean your house. They release me. I leave the police department. I go back to my apartment. There's blood all over the walls. And um, it's a crime scene. And I don't know what else to do but start cleaning it up. You know, I'm in shock. And the sheriff shows up at my house the next morning, kicking me out because I've broke the lease. I'm selling drugs on property. You know, I'm just, they're politely asking me to leave. Mm -hmm. And um, I move to another apartment and um, a couple months later, my house is being raided And they had other bigger charges on me. So they released me for that one so they could just like see,
1: collect evidence, collect more case for a bigger case. Okay.
0: And so they sweep me up in a raid where I'm arrested with about 120 other people from six counties wide. It's all over the news, you know. And I'm like, well, that's why they let me go. Okay. Well, a month before this, I just cannot get over the feeling that impending doom is about to happen. Like, you know, my life is. I'm just not able to get it together. So I call my mother-in-law and she comes and gets her. And um, in my mind, I'm thinking I've drug her through enough. I'm not getting it together. I'm not getting any better. And this probably isn't going to last too much longer. Like this is getting worse. And so I sent her to my mother-in-law's and... um,
1: This is... So they took you to jail... Were you in jail for very long?
0: They they just took me down to investigate. Okay. They never arrested me for that. Okay. So I am like internally spooked. I'm like, what was that? Gotcha. Why am I not incarcerated? Okay. You know, and yes. it's because they had this bigger case, and they didn't.
1: So that's when you sent her between mm-hmm. being between scooped the, up. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
0: Between the shooting and the actual raid, raid I sent her to my mother in law's. Okay. And, um, I'm grateful that she wasn't there for that, you know? And, uh, this is 2015, you know, to say that my life is unmanageable at this point is an absolute understatement. And, um, so I'm in the court's possession for the next five years or so, and I get off parole, I go to prison, and that experience is like, this is who I really am. I've arrived at my destiny. I have a Department of Corrections number now, and I was never supposed to be a parent, and this is really who I am, and my identity is being manifested in a prison somewhere. Yeah. And um, sad, but I can tell that has that what I have felt about myself my whole life. Yeah. Really.
1: We have self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Absolutely. And I was doing everything to get there. Yeah. And very surprised that it didn't happen sooner.
1: Yeah. Um, if you tell yourself that you are something in your head mm-hmm, enough. Mm-hmm. You'll find yourself in it, yeah.
0: Right. And I I don't think that it was something that I said out loud ever. But boy, when when the when I showed up at prison, I was like, I have been thinking this my whole life. Yeah. This is where I'm from, yeah. this is where I belong. This is who I am really. And um, you know, all of that, I learned how to be a better criminal. I got out and went I went to California. And took off, went right back to the same dealings.
1: Well, because guilt and shame, you have a whole new found guilt that Mm. you didn't have before that you had been avoiding in this little girl. Yes, very much. And now, yeah, oh, I can't imagine.
0: Mm And in 2018, I get out. And, um, I talked to my friend and she's like, I had this dream and you went to this place called teen challenge and your life was never the same. And when I'm talking to her, I'm like, man, you sound completely different. Like, you know, send me a picture and she sends me a picture of her and she is just lit up. She looks amazing. And, um, I'm like, what are you doing different? Like, what is that? Cause I want that. Yeah. Whatever that is that you have right there, I want that bad. Yeah, and she's like, "Well, I'm I'm a Christ follower now," and I'm like, "What? You're kidding me, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is I don't even know you. You're kidding, oh, wow, right?
1: Okay."
0: And um, and she tells me about the stream, and I'm like, "Yes, I want that." And as much and as much as I wanted everything that she was saying, I went skipped over it and went to California instead. And I relapsed as soon as I got in the car, and um went on for about another two years and in 2020 I called that friend and I asked her, Hey, is that, that place still available? You know, cause I'm about to go to prison. I'm, I'm at that point again. And, uh, I come out here. So I come to Texas. Yeah. Um, I played a blind person to be able to bring my dog and, you know, I get here and, um, She sets me up in Teen Challenge, and COVID is happening. So um, we're not doing the normal stuff that you would do in a program. We're kind of isolated. And um, my first month and a half there, I really struggled. I wanted to leave. And there was this fight that my flesh did not want to surrender you know and I wanted a cigarette and um not only was I like fighting wanting to do drugs and self self self-destructive behaviors Mm -hmm. I'm hearing all this stuff about the Lord and Jesus and I'm overwhelmed yeah and I'm calling my friend I'm like isn't there a place that I can like smoke cigarettes and love Jesus (laughs) like a little bit easier because this is overwhelming and um, she's like, well, n- you know, no, mm-hmm. not really. And I was like, it's here, the dope house, seriously? And she's like, yeah, kind of. And I wrestled with that. And I'm so grateful for the director, the women's director at Teen Challenge. She's a very good friend of mine now. And... um, every Monday I would be in her office and I'd be like, I can't do this, but I'd be crying. Yeah. And, and you know, we talk, we talk about it still today. I go, you know, how did you know to keep talking to me? And she goes, cause you are still wrestling, you know, because I didn't, I wanted to leave, but they talk, they would talk me down. And, um, so I go through teen challenge and after about a month and a half, I'm like settling in. I'm like, okay, like, yes. So I, we have chores. And one day I'm in the study hall and God speaks to my heart. And he says, how am I going to change you from convict to conviction if you don't listen to me? And I'm like, I'm in there like mopping. I'm like, what? And I'm in there by myself. And I'm like, what was that? Like, God, is that you? And and yeah. he's like, yeah. And right before that, um, I had given a couple of people an attitude about something. And he's like, go apologize to them. And I'm like, no. I am in there mopping. I'm like, no, it wasn't even a big deal. And he says, how am I going to change you from convict to conviction if you don't listen to me when I talk to you? So I'm like wrestling and trying to mop and trying to like push through and like, no, I'm not. Yeah. That ego. really was an yeah. ego is yes, it's home. got me, right? Yeah. And, my, and my heart is bound and he's like just go do it. And I'm like okay, fine. And I go apologize to the first person like boom, like freedom. I'm like okay, that that was you. And I go to the second person and I go apologize and like boom, freedom on my heart. And that was like the first God thing that really allowed me to like soften into the program like okay I did come here to learn a new way and like he starts speaking to me about how prison mentalities street mentalities don't fit where I have you going yeah I'm like "Uh, but I don't want them to think I'm a (laughs) bug and um, And it's boring
1: I've done it before right and it was and eh.
0: eh, this is what So, like, sobriety, right? Now I'm trying to give it another go, but the, like, the faith-based route, right? Which is something that I had never tried. And, um, you know, I would see, when I would have, so I would go, like, 14 months to two years would be about my stretch for sobriety, and it would happen every couple years. Yeah. And I would... Start gaining, you know, have the place, have the job, be legal, Have start gaining some benefits to being sober, but never peace, never happiness, never joy. And so I'm like, what is the big deal? Like, I'll give the house and the car and all that stuff away. It doesn't matter to me if if I'm not going to gain more than just that stuff Mm -hmm. when I'm sober because I would see sober people and I would look right here and i the married couples people with children big mortgages and i'm like you your life sucks too i yeah. can see it right here you're not happy yep. you know and um i just wasn't getting the full benefits yeah. so when i come here and i start having these god like yeah
1: you're realizing there's a jesus size hole in you and all of the people yes. that you just spoke about. That's yes. That's what's missing.
0: That's what's missing. And this thing in, in my heart that I've been trying to fill with everything but Jesus um, is starting to come in there, right? And my heart is starting to soften. And I probably cried for six months <laughs> over everything. Jesus' songs. And so... Through Teen Challenge, you're in like this Jesus bubble, and you're like literally spoon-fed Jesus every day. You're not watching secular TV. You're not listening to secular music. And I've never been in any kind of an environment like this in my entire life. So once I start, that interaction with God happened. I went and apologized, and I was like, okay, that's what his voice sounds like and if i do what he says when he tells me i get my peace back mm-hmm. i can i can wrestle with something he tells me to go do it the sooner i go do it the sooner i get my peace back and so i'm i'm gaining peace and i'm experiencing freedom in the submission yeah i thought i was free doing what i want when i wanted mm-hmm. all that for my whole life and here i was learning that I was so bound up that I was experiencing no freedom. And for the first time in my life, I'm really experiencing freedom and it's in following rules and it's letting somebody else tell me, Hey, this is how we would like you to clean that mirror. And I'm like, this is stupid. (laughs) You know, what is, what is getting the spots and being thorough? But it was really about listening to Mm -hmm. someone else and letting them tell me how they would like it to be done. And at the root of it, I had come here exhausted, burnt out, and ready to give this a try. Because if this doesn't work, man, I don't know. If God doesn't show up for me here, man, I just don't know if I have anywhere else to go. Yeah. And, um, and he really showed up. And that yeah. dream that God showed her was true. My life has never been the same. My whole life is completely different today.
1: I'm so proud of you.
0: I'm I'm that's so, so cool. grateful.
1: That's I mean that's the message that I try to tell everybody now. It's like the pursuit of happiness is this weird perfection doesn't exist. It's not about doing whatever I want, saying whatever I want, being however I want. I would just be happy if everything that I ever wanted just came into existence. Right. That is never going to happen. For no. You. This is about accepted suffering, mm-hmm. obedience, and diligence. And if you can master those things, yeah. then you get contentment mm-hmm. and you get peace. Mm-hmm. And then when you're content with where you are, everything else is a blessing. Yeah, It's a, t- it's a total game changer. And it's the mind. It's you got to do it with Jesus. I don't know any other way.
0: That I've tried. Yeah. I've tried. And, um, That that void was massive. It it God is the only thing that has been able to come in there. I mean, I don't the peace that I have today, I didn't even have it as a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever had it. And, you know, it was very weird to be at Teen Challenge at forty one years old. You know, the name of the place kept going over in my head. I'm like, how did I get to a place called teen challenge Mm -hmm. at the age of 41 is it because i'm immature is it because (laughs) you know is it because i'm not an adult i'm I'm behind i should have done this a
1: long time yes the the enemy will say
0: right anything and you know i i learned the formula for for me was something happened it would make me feel a type of way and i would go to god and ask him why do i feel that way what is that? And it was usually in tears. And I would picture him at the end of my bed going, are you ready to talk about that now? Because yeah. we can. And it was always gentle. It was always loving. Mm-hmm. It was always kind. It was always compassion. Yeah. And um, I, I ended up working there and helping other girls like me so and getting to share with them like, hey, I know that you want to leave right now, but don't. Like, just sit still. And sitting still has not ever been anything that I could do. I run, run, run. And um, so getting to work there has has been a game changer, super beneficial in my spiritual growth, um, super beneficial that I get to help others. And I still go out there today. So um, after working there, I was hired on at another company, Uh, by my mentor. And she allows me to go out to Teen Challenge once a week. And so I still get to do that today. And, um, I have a husband that loves the Lord more than me. And that is something that I prayed for. Right. And, um, actually getting that is different at, okay. at first, you know, and... Um, yeah, was it
1: hard? coming? Okay, because you're in this Jesus bubble. Mm-hmm. And then how do you get out? Where do you go? What's next? How?
0: Well, so luckily I went to work for my mentor. So I went from like one bubble to another bubble. Good. So at my job, we have Bible studies. We pray in the morning before we start our day. Um We even take... So we take a lunch break and then we come back and we take another prayer break and it's individual, you know, and like God has just placed me in this setting that I remember when I first got here and telling my friend's husband, where am I going to work? How am I going to afford a place? He's like, you haven't even went through the program. You haven't even let God do anything yet. Like you're not going to do it. God is.
1: Yeah. Too far back breeds depression. Mm -hmm. So don't. And too far forward breeds anxiety. For sure. So don't. Right. Let's just be.
0: Right here. Right here. Like literally. The
1: the one decision forward. Right. that's it. Right. That's all you got to do.
0: And, you know, the cliche one day at a time. Right. But it's so true. Yes. And. um,
1: Because God's figure genuinely, if you practice it, God's figuring it out you. Yes. Just that one, your daily bread. Right. Just one day.
0: Right. Yay. Literally, you know, the sparrow, is it worried about tomorrow? You know, just, just focus on today. And as easy as that sounds,
1: yeah, you know,
0: being in survival mode, you're always trying to plan uh, ahead and take care of it yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of course I find myself in situations where I think that I should um, hurry up and uh, the default mode is survival. Yeah. And so I just have to be mindful of that. Uh, but praying with my husband in the morning, going to work and praying. Now, I understand that not everybody is going to have that situation where they can pray right. openly at their job. Yeah. Um, but you have a lunch break. You know yeah. what I mean? And praying, pray without ceasing to me is just being in communication with God Throughout the day. And
1: to speak on that a little bit, because I talk to people like in career coaching and people who are looking for jobs and things like that. When you're interviewing, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Our workforce doesn't really have like as much they don't recognize how much power they have. Like it's not just like. Hey, I really want them to choose me. Yeah, pick me, pick me. You really want to choose them? You want to be asking how their culture and their environment is, right? And it's just as important that you pick them, and that it's good for you, and it's a place you want to spend the majority of your day at. Absolutely, that impacts a lot, Mm -hmm. stress wise, and and
0: and and changing your mindset that you're valuable. I'm just as I'm just as valuable. I'm here as an asset. I'm gonna come do a good job for you. And, you know.
1: Are you going to value me? Are you, are you going, going to, to treat me well? Are you going yes. to treat me well?
0: Right. And that goes across the board with the relationships in general. Yep. You teach people how to treat you. Yep. Right. And so your job. And that is very much what my job has done, done for, for me you. now. Mm-hmm. You know, teach me not just how to show up and be appropriate and be, you know, consistent. But. You know, just what you're saying yeah, about you your, get
1: poured into too very much. So the job just shouldn't be you pouring out to a company. And that's it.
0: The worldly mindsets and kingdom mindsets are like completely yeah. opposite. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: It's so when when you're healed and you're whole, it's so blatantly obvious. Yes. But when you're in it, hey, you just can't you just can't see it. You don't have eyes to see it.
0: No, you're you're on survival mode. Mm-hmm. You're just it's just enough. It's just enough to and especially if you're carrying around any addiction with you. Yeah. Uh, you know.
1: One more voice to add to the
0: you're just gonna take what you could get.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Whatever is available is has to be enough. Yeah. And then, you know, you can get sober, and if you get sober without being healed, that hole is just left wide open. Mm -hmm. You know, and so most most of the time, you know, I would fill it with a toxic relationship. I'm trying mm-hmm. to fix them. You yes. Know? Just the, the insanity yeah. of uh, the lack of healing, mm-hmm. uh, what it will do even if, when you take drugs and alcohol off the table. Yeah. that There's still a big oh, hole. Oh, there's something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: there's the, that's It's the hole mm-hmm. and it needs filling and mm-hmm. it, your brain will go run crazy with it. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely, extremely thankful that you decided to come on and do this. I know that yeah. it, it. I know that it was a battle. Yeah, and I know the enemy goes after people with wonderful testimony, especially when they're going to go on a platform and share it with the world and help people. And I'm just, I'm so glad that you came. Okay, you thank did you a for having beautiful me. Beautiful <laughs> job. Very well done. Thank you. Yay.